hope you guys are all celebrating some big adulting milestones this season. And you know what? Finding the perfect gift for those celebrations can be kind of tough. I have the solution over at grownupgear.com. We have adorable hats, totes, mugs, pillows, tees, and seriously, the most cozy and comfortable sweatshirts. They're all on grownupgear.com and all at affordable prices. We even now have digital gift certificates if you can't decide. Use code GROWNUP for 15% off your first order. Buying from our small business helps to support this free podcast. And you know what? We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You're listening to Money Tips for Financial Grownups with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel author of how to be a financial grown-up. And you know what? When it comes to money, being a grown-up is hard, but together we've got this. Hey, grown-ups. Welcome back. We are going to do something very special this week, starting with having back my number one most favorite ever co-host, Mr. Neil Kaufman, aka my husband, Welcome back, Neil. Back on popular demand. And for those of you that sent me fan letters, thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. Neil is poised to become a regular co-host on the show. And speaking of regular, a lot of the regular listeners do know that you were featured in our Summer Watch series where we talked about money-related streaming shows and the lessons from them. Well, as of now, we're not going to do a whole series for fall, but there is a show that everyone including Mr. Neil Kaufman, I should say, everyone is talking about that has some pretty intense money lessons. And that show is the Netflix series, The Squid Game. Neil and I have been watching the series. We've already had some pretty intense discussions about it. And so, of course, I recruited him to come back to the podcast. So, Neil, welcome. Thank you. We're here to talk about Squid Game, which... For those of you that have been, I guess, living under a rock and don't know about the Squid Game or haven't seen it yet, because it's the most popular show in like lots of countries, it's a nine-episode series about the lives of 456 people, all who need money. They need it for lots of different reasons. They come from all walks of life. Some are drowning in debt, desperate for not being able to pay off their debt. Some people are thugs. Some people are white collar. Some people are just unlucky. But what they all have in common is they need money, and they are willing to participate, willingly They want to participate in this game to try and survive, and they got to play six Korean children's games, where if you're the winner, you're going to get a large sum of money, like 46 billion won, which is 38 million U.S. dollars. So it's a a high-stakes game. It's a lot of money. Okay, so I want to make sure everybody knows that we have watched all of the episodes, and we're not going to be able to kind of remember what to say and what not to say, so there will be spoilers. So this is your cue. If we've interested you in watching The Squid Game and you haven't watched it yet, pause, go watch it. It's nine episodes. So for most people, they can binge it in a day or two. For me, because I fall asleep during everything, took a little bit longer, but Neil was patient. Go watch The Squid Game and then come back right here. This is where the spoilers are going to start. Starting with the fact that the main character is presented as sort of sympathetic, but sort of, you know, a lot of eye rolls. I mean, he's massively in debt. He gambles away money that his mom, by the way, he's 40 something living with his mom. Speaking of not being a financial grown up, of course, Um, he's asking her for more money to buy his daughter a birthday present. He gambles it. 
all kinds of things happen, but just the characters, it's not like they're all that sympathetic. A lot of them are basically making big money mistakes on their own and trying to find get rich quick schemes to begin with. Right, Neil? He's a likable guy, but he's a schlump. You know, it's just the guy, he does everything wrong. He's divorced. He's a gambler. I mean, he's got all the classic telltale signs of just being a not responsible person, you know, both financially and emotionally. I mean, he he doesn't even maintain a decent relationship with his daughter. I mean, or his mother. Yes, he lives with his mom, and we've heard that story all too often. But he betrayed his mom. He canceled the right. the insurance, uh, you know, her health insurance, which no shock there. An aging woman, she needed the insurance. Yeah, that's another big spoiler. Comes up later. The other spoiler is that he wins money gambling. Okay, so now in theory, you would think he would use this money that he's gambled. He wins on this horse betting, which is another thing that comes up. They're betting on horses. Is it different to bet on horses than humans? Think about that, everyone that's seen the show. But he wins huge amount of money, and instead of using it to pay off his debt, he starts gambling away with it again. He, he doesn't pay off the debt that he owes. He gives a big tip to the person in the window and he wants to go shopping and buy extravagant things for his daughter that he's promising her all this stuff. Even when he gets her a present, he does it through a kind of a gambling game, like a children's game where he picks a present, which later on, and we don't have to spoil this, but let's just say it's not a child appropriate gift that he ends up getting her. And it's really just the ultimate symbol that this guy just can do no right. And He's his own worst enemy, really. So, Neil, we've set up the premise. We've got this guy. Fast forward a little bit. He runs into someone who's effectively a salesman who convinces him to go into this game. And he meets a van, gets gas so he doesn't know where he's going. And he ends up in a dorm with 455 other people who are competing in this contest. And basically they say that anyone that is not eliminated at the end of six children's games will win a huge prize of money. As you mentioned, the equivalent of $38 million, but there's more to it. Yeah. So they're playing these games, but they don't realize it until they get into the first game, what it's really all about. So the idea is some people win the game. Some people lose the game. If you lose by the rules that are put in place, you're effectively eliminated from the game, and elimination means death. Right. And now, for the very first game, they don't know that. They just know you're eliminated, and they assume, I think, understandably, that they would just go home. It becomes clear very quickly, and it's a very gory scene, that being eliminated is death. So after that, through a little TMI, we won't get into it, the players do choose to go home. They end the game and they play one game. And by going home, they have forfeited the opportunity to win the money and they go back to their dreary lives. And we talked about the main character, but many of the other characters have very unfortunate situations with money. They're all desperate for money to either save face. There's an immigrant theme here to get their relatives out of North Korea into Korea to feed their families, to pay off gambling debts, all kinds of different reasons why people need the money. As Neil mentioned, white collar crime and so on. They go back to their lives. What's shocking to me is that of the people that go back to their lives and have the opportunity to not die in pursuit of this money, 87% of them choose voluntarily to participate in a life or death game where it's pretty logical that most of the people are not going home with the millions of dollars. I, I think it really shows the desperation. So, you know, they went into the game originally knowing or not really knowing that much about it. 
But after they realized that it was a fight to the death and they would actually potentially sacrifice their life and they go back home, they willingly re-enter it a second time knowing what the consequences of their actions are. It, it may cost them everything, but they're, they're so desperate, they'll still go ahead and play the game. 87% of them come back, which is yeah. really, it just, it boggles the mind. It, it is shocking. And it also is shocking how the characters evolve through this process because they're in this bubble and they're not in contact with the real world anymore. They're just in this world where they're surrounded by their, in some cases, they try to form teams and this and that, but who's on your team can be very confusing and it's confusing to know who to trust. And that's something that also goes to the theme of money, right, Neil? <sighs> It's really interesting. I, I'll tell you, choosing who's on your team, who's not on your team. I mean, they, I thought, you know, there was a part of the show where they were choosing teams for tug of war. And nobody, nobody wanted to choose either the women or the old man to be on their team. Wait, but spoiler, we didn't know it was tug of war when they were choosing. They did not know what the game was. There was a presumption that strength mattered. There was. There was a Which presumption. Which is also that, a real world yeah. perception very often that you know, the strong men were the most desirable teammates. That was the perception, which is often the perception in real life too. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And and I shocked, maybe not shocked, the team with the three women and the one old man won the tug of war game against the men's, the all men's team. Not so much for any other reason than it was the the wisdom of the old man. You know, he had life experience. He had some knowledge to the, that he brought to the table. And there was also the women in terms of, how they all work together as one cohesive team. So it was the mind that won over the power of many on the other side. It was a David and Goliath story. And and I, I love that. But the point is, you got to think broadly, have a different perspective. It's not always the obvious, you know, answer that that wins. Another thing that's also interesting is that there might be a perception that everyone in this dorm, everyone playing this game was poor maybe because they were born that way or just things beyond their control. But one of the characters that you found most interesting was character 218. He is someone that was the pride and joy of his neighborhood. We see scenes of his mother bragging about how successful he is. The main character knew him as a child, and he was the big success of the neighborhood. He was working in finance, but in fact, he had lost his investors' money, and he still was in the outside world portraying this veneer of huge success. Nobody knew that he had had this huge financial ruin. And that's something that really resonated because very often people appear to have so much money and so much success in life, but underneath there's nothing. And sometimes there's less than nothing. And it's not always clear, but there's a lot of reason to believe that this very wealthy appearing guy had maybe committed some crimes and really betrayed his investors. He was a bad guy. I hate that guy. I mean, I got to tell you, something, even the way it wrapped up with him in the end, and, and, and I'll get to that in a second, but I think it speaks to, I mean, this guy had a pedigree education. He had the pedigree job. I think the lesson out of this is don't judge people's wealth or success based on appearance only. I guess it almost goes to the, what we're talking about these days around, you know, mental health issues. You know, people that you think are okay, maybe they're not okay. Maybe they're not doing great. It's like that Instagram moment. It looks great from the outside in, but the inside out is just terrible. So I, I think the life lesson here is, you know, the person who said that it's better to look good than to feel good, that person is wrong. 
the person that said clothes makes the man, that guy is also wrong. It's mental health, it's inner beauty, it's health, it's relationships that matter. Not what your neighbors think, not what the valet who parks your car thinks, or the stranger who sees you on the street wearing whatever you're wearing. You need to define a level of success by, I I guess, I want to say pay it forward by the good words and things that you do and the impact that you make on others. It's, it's those things that matter. Yeah. This show also makes some big picture statements about the growing gap between the uber wealthy and the poorer people in society and the things that the wealthy do about two thirds through the show, the series, we learn that this is a game that wealthy people are staging for their own amusement. And it's compared by many people to things like Battle Royale and the Hunger Games. You have a lot to say about this. I mean, they come in, it's wealthy people really abusing the the lower classes here who have financial problems instead of helping them. It's very cynical. It's interesting, you know, so wealthy people can abuse the vulnerable who who have financial problems. No shocker there. And it, I guess it's the theme for the decade. People hurting people who are already hurting instead of lifting those people up in reality as opposed to the appearance of of reality. In the end, what I liked was I think the last lesson of the of the show was that humanity wins. It's best to be your best. It's the best lesson so far in the show, which is Sometimes people in power, people who seem to be doing good are not always doing good. And it's also interesting, though, it makes a little statement, well, a big statement. So the main character early in the show is betting on horses. Later in the show, the wealthy VIPs are betting on the contestants in this game. Is it saying maybe that are the wealthy and the poor doing the same human behavior? Is it just our human instinct to do this kind of cruel game? Obviously, the horses, I I sure hope, are alive afterwards, unlike the people, but they're setting them up similar because the VIPs are very much gambling on the humans in this game. They are making bets and they're sort of enjoying it. And it seems like there's some parallels that the filmmaker or the series maker is trying to make there. They're talking about objectification of, of both men, of women. They're talking about the abuse of power. I mean, it's a real statement that they're making here in terms of who's good, who's bad. And sometimes who's good and who's bad is just a matter of perception. So to your point, people betting on humans versus people betting on horses, is there a differentiation between them? I don't I don't know. But there's so many lessons in, in this story. I don't even know where, you know, there's so much. I, I read so much online about it. And what I thought was interesting is, is how characters changed in the story too. Like six, seven. I forget what her name is. I'm just going to refer to the characters by their numbers. It's easier. But six, seven, she started off as a hard character. She became a soft character in the end. And it kind of like gives me pause to think about how people fall into two categories sometimes. When people are put to pressure, some people are are like bits of carbon. You know what I mean by that? You know, you put enough pressure on somebody and and some people like a bit of carbon, you put enough pressure on them and they turn into a diamond. They really shine like six, seven. She was playing marbles and her opponent gave up her life for her, which I thought was a selfless act. It was amazing. She literally sacrificed herself. And not only was that an amazing act of selflessness, but it rubbed off on 6-7. That's what I'm saying with that whole pay it forward thing. She became a better person for it. And she did pay it forward, by the way, because in the middle of the night when she was hurting and there was an opportunity for 4-5-6 to kill 2-1-8 in his sleep, she paid it forward and she course corrected 4-5-6. She brought him back on the tracks. She gave him ethics, gave him values again, which I thought was amazing, as opposed to like the character 218. 
you know, so my whole other viewpoint is some people are like bits of carbon that you can turn into diamonds and some people fracture and crack under pressure. This guy, 218, I was really disappointed in this guy. He manipulated Ali, number 199, played upon his naivete, tricking him into, into losing his life. He also betrayed all of the players in the beginning when he basically he knew the game, the honeycomb game, and he wouldn't share his knowledge with anybody else. He just looked at for himself only. And, and I get it. It's a game to the death. And but it was to the point where this person fractured so much from the pressure that not only did he betray all of his friends and then betray Ali and then he betrayed everybody at, at some point in the games and he even slit six seven's neck in the sleep. She was already dying and he killed her. I know. What's the point of that? In the end, his self-sacrifice, I got to tell you, it left me hollow inside. Hollow gesture from a dying man, and he didn't even do it to give to 456 to win. He did it to give because he wanted the money for his own purpose, which was to share it with his family. So I get it, but I'm telling you, it's a whole microscope of life on the two different types of people there, those that are good and those that are evil. I think that lasting image because we need to wrap up in a minute the lasting image for me is kind of the final character which is throughout the show the series they have this giant piggy bank hanging above the dorm that every time someone else dies the remaining players see more money coming into this giant glass piggy bank above them so it's like they're being driven by this character of this piggy bank that they can never stop thinking about and how that will solve their problems, make their life better. But in the end, as we know, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And and that's, you know, I guess the final spoiler, really, that the, the money doesn't change anything for the winner. I got to tell you, there was one theme in there that really resonated with me on a personal level, because I have seen this person in every company I've ever worked with. Betrayal doesn't come from people more often than it comes from people that you trust most. Hmm. Sometimes your friends are really frenemies. And I love that word frenemy because you got to find out who your frenemies are sometimes. You know, fake friends like Duck Sue, number 101, and Han Mi, number yeah. 212. They were friends. They were friends. But when 101 left 212 scorned by not picking her for it, you know, we talked about the tug of war, mm -hmm. didn't pick her. Yep. You know, he didn't realize that 212 would ultimately be the death of him. So yes. he burned a he burned bridges with her, and she wound up throwing him off the bridge, which is kind of funny. It took him to his death. So my my lesson out of that was the kindness you show to others will always find a way of coming back to you, or maybe karma is going to sting you for being ruthless in the end. And that's what happened to uh, to one on one. So on point, Neil. You're brilliant. What can I say? All right, final thoughts. <laughs> i'm thinking that there's going to be a second season the way they left it at the end there he didn't get on the plane four five six did not get on the plane to visit his daughter he let me down again mm -hmm. he turned around and i think it, it's uh it's a hat tip to a potential season two yeah i think so too i mean the rumor is and we're just laying down all these spoilers here but the rumor is that a season two might focus more on the vips and the police and the people behind the game and what's going on behind the scenes because they show us a little bit but i definitely want to know more about how this came about and what's going on and we've got the brother the police officer and that whole thing so i would love to hear more about that and i'd love to see more about what i'm going to research more about what's been going on in terms of class divide in south korea i think that's really interesting and something we can talk about in our own country as well so final final words neil tune into the podcast listen on spotify tell us what you liked what you didn't like i'd love to hear from you
We love that. All right. And everyone, you can follow me and support the show on Instagram at BobbyRebel1, on Twitter at BobbyRebel. Let us know what you thought about it. Let us know if you want to hear more from Neil and more of our money-related content reviews. I don't know what we want to call it, synopsis, whatever. But be in touch and uh, thank you for being financial grownups. Money Tips for Financial Grownups is a production of BRK Media, LLC. Editing and production by Steve Stewart. Guest coordination, content creation, social media support, and show notes by Ashley Wall. You can find the podcast show notes, which include links to resources mentioned in the show, as well as show transcripts, by going to my website, bobbyrebell.com. You can also find an incredible library of hundreds of previous episodes to help you on your journey as a financial grown-up. The podcast and tons of complimentary resources associated with the podcast is brought to you for free, but I need to have your support in return. Here's how you can do that. First, connect with me on social media at bobbyrebell1 on Instagram and bobbyrebell on both Twitter and on Clubhouse, where you can join my Money Tips for Grownups Club. Second, share this podcast on social media and tag me so I can thank you. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Reading each one means the world to me. And you know what? It really motivates others to subscribe. You can also support our merch shop, grownupgear.com, by picking up fun gifts for your grown-up friends and treating yourself as well. And most of all, Help your friends on their journey to being financial grownups by encouraging them to subscribe to the podcast. Together, we got this. Thank you for your time and for the kind words so many of you send my way. See you next time. And thank you for supporting Money Tips for Financial Grownups.